Welcome to Rugged Theology, where we talk about church planting, theology, and drink coffee. Welcome to another episode of Rugged Theology. I'm Adam Diamond. I am a church planner candidate with Malwa Mission, and welcome to another part of our Growing Up series. Um, I hope you enjoyed the last episode as Stephen Bray talked to Steve Da about how he grew up Anglican and his transition to working here at Calvary Baptist and Malwin Mission. Um, this is a little awkward, actually, because this episode is my story. Um, so, quick uh, spoiler, I grew up as a Pentecostal boy, which is, you know, to anyone from America, it's uh, Assemblies of God is the closest thing, not exact, but... Uh, Anyways, you'll hear more of my story as I talk with Stephen Bray in this interview. Hope you enjoy. Well, welcome, everybody, to another episode of Rugged Theology. And once again, we're doing things a little bit differently. Often we get together and we got a full panel and we're talking about different theological outlooks or cultural things that are happening in our world. But we also thought that since we are a church planting ministry based here in St. John's, Newfoundland, that maybe it would be good for you, the audience, to know who we are on a much more personal level. My name is Pastor Steve Bray. I'm the executive director of Mile One Mission. I'm also the lead elder of Calvary Baptist Church, which is a local church here in St. John's, Newfoundland. And we started Mile One Mission with the express purpose that we want to see churches planted across our city in different neighborhoods. And so we're very passionate about this. And because of that, we are actively looking to raise people up that share that vision and that, that uh, calling. And with me today is one of our church planter candidates. So his name is Adam Diamond. So Adam, say hello to everybody. Hello, everyone. I'm sure you've uh, heard lots of my voice, but uh, <laughs> now you can know a little bit more about me. Yeah, this is the uh, documentary of the background of the life of one Adam Diamond. Mm-hmm. But Adam, um, it's been a joy. I've had the joy of knowing you now just a little over two years. Yeah, about and, that. Um, we had a very interesting, actually, my first uh, introduction to you was very interesting in a very personal way in and of itself and the journey that God has taken you on. But you as well, uh, I'm sure you're going to fill in some of these details, but you're a native Newfoundlander, born mm-hmm. and bred. Um, and now here you are at Mile One Mission, Calvary Baptist Church. You're a church planter candidate, and maybe mm-hmm. you can talk a little bit about, about that. But the truth is, you're not just this raw whippersnapper. You've got ministry experience, you have pastored, you grew up here, and you grew up again in a different denomination. I yep. mean, we call ourselves Calvary Baptist Church. At some point, I'm sure we'll do an episode where maybe I can talk about what is good about that and maybe what is not so important about that. I think we can fit that in. Yeah, exactly. But um, maybe tell the audience, you're, you're the brains behind Rugged Theology, how did you grow up? Like, what's your story? Yeah, so uh, like you said, uh, well, um, like our previous episode, um, I grew up around the bay, only mm. further away, removed from St. John's. Now, now for the set record, you're not from around the bay, according to Avalon Peninsula language. You're from <laughs> the bay. Yeah, yeah. I'm from around the bay. Yes, you're around right. the bay, because I actually live on the bay. Right, exactly. Anyways, yeah. the Newfoundland nuance. Yes, there. exactly, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so about four and a half hours away. So I grew up in a uh, Pentecostal church. Okay. Uh, so for, if anyone's listening from, uh, no, not from Canada, that's the closest thing would be like Assemblies of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so grew up from a Pentecostal church, a uh, you know, charismatic background. Yep. 
And I loved it. Yeah. L- loved it. It was great. Um, I came to faith underneath the pew because mom and dad would bring us to church uh, <laughs> Sunday evenings and we would go to sleep. Uh, but I remember just one Sunday evening, uh, I didn't go to sleep. I stayed up and I heard the pastor preach. And he preached, you know, basically that we need Jesus or you're going to hell. And yeah. But no, like not like in a scare tactic, yeah. but in a, in a genuine way, like, you know, you, you need Jesus. Right. And so six-year-old me under the pew was like, you know what, this makes sense. Right. So, you know, I just said a little prayer there and I went home, went to bed. Right. I never told mom and dad, <laughs> never, <laughs> never said a word about it. Okay. And uh, anyways, as I, as I grew up, I grew up in the church, was uh, served on the youth leadership team, okay. uh, very involved. And, uh, you know, I went on to school, went to do a journalism program uh, because I thought about going to the ministry. Okay. But I didn't want to be your typical kid who was involved in church, 18. Oh, I'm going into ministry. Right. Uh, so, right. and I also felt I was too shy. Uh, I was too quiet, much different than I am now. Right. Uh, so I did journalism for two years, failed the program by one course. Okay. And elective of all things. Right on. Uh, so then I got an apartment for the summer and I was like, you know what, if I do business with my journalism, I can do, uh, go into communications for the government, a nice well-paying job, steady job, settle down get married. I can use one of the electives from the business program to cover for my journalism program, get two diplomas. Great plan. You got it really planned out. Uh, but that summer, uh, ministry started coming back to my mind again. Okay. And I can actually remember looking up to God being like, you're not doing this to me. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you're not doing this to me again. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I made a deal with God. I said, I'll give you the week. I'll pray about it. I'll give you the week. <laughs> I love testimonies just as if you were dealing with God. But anyway, <laughs> finish your story. In my mind, I was. Mm. Uh, and I made it, that was like a Sunday or, yeah, no, it was a Sunday. And I made it to Wednesday. Wow. And I can remember breaking down in... Uh, the living room in the apartment, uh, just crying. Okay. Uh, God broke my heart for the province, for the youth of the province. And all that struck me was like, you know, if we have a hope, I need to share that. Right, yeah. And then uh, I told my uh, would-be fiancé, I, I think we got engaged a year after. Anyways, I told her I was going in the ministry, and she was not happy. <laughs> and she will tell you that story. We, we like to joke yeah. about it. Because one thing she always says, she wouldn't be a pastor's wife. Uh, she loves it now. Yeah. Uh, so, so you yeah. obviously married this woman. Yeah, yeah. We, right. got, we got married after she didn't hate me too much. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I did uh, four years online uh, through Vanguard College, which yeah. is in Edmonton. It's a Pentecostal Bible college. Yeah. Uh, so I have a Bachelor of Theology in Youth Ministry. Yeah. And uh, I got my credentials through the Pentecostal Assemblies of Newfoundland and Labrador. Right. I uh, got a youth and children's pastor position in a small town, uh, unlike what Steve said of a small church in Korea. This was a small town of only about 500 people, let right, alone yeah. a 5,000-member church. <laughs> uh, yeah, very different testimony. If people listen to the last episode we did, yeah. Yeah, so um, like I, I, so as I you know, grew in Bible college, grew in my faith, um, I, I just always wanted to know more. Mm. Um, people even told me about, like, you know, people told me, like, uh, Vanguard's not the best school to go to, or you should go to this school or that school. And uh, one thing that people always said was, like, their theology isn't that strong. Mm. And I would always come back, well, isn't that on me after I graduate? Right, okay. Or, isn't that on me? Like, right. if, if, I, if I'm going to stay stag- you know, still and get stagnant, right. never learn, yep. sure, that's fair. But if it's on me after, even while I'm in school and after school, to c- continue that education, continue to challenge myself, 
so I passed her for about a year and a half. Uh, took a break. Okay. Uh, needed some uh, mental health. Oh, okay. Uh, so we took a break. Ended up living with my uh, in-laws for a year and a half, what we thought would be a couple months. And uh, <laughs> But yeah, that's how I grew up around the Bay. And uh, lo and behold, the Lord brought us to St. John's. And okay. So let me retrace here. So yep. we, we got a little boy, six years old, accepts Christ. Yep. And yet this was obviously a living faith. This grew and matured. And you're very thankful that you've had wonderful influences in your life. Oh, yeah. Uh, we Like I, like I said, I grew up, uh, I got involved in the youth leadership team. Yep. Uh, I can remember in, instances in my faith, like when, <laughs> we'll say, like the first time I raised my hands okay. and then wrestling with, like, why am I raising my hands? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then realizing, oh, it's just in praise and adoration of the Lord. Right. Why do I close my eyes? I went through all that yeah. in my head. Um, and then Bible college, you know, just being like a real sense of call to ministry, deeper relationship with, with Christ, right. uh, appreciation of who he is and what he means to me, what he means to my family after I got married. Okay. Um, and, uh, yeah, I had a lot of great people around me, um, youth pastor who served for the four years I was basically in youth group. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was fantastic to have that steady, yeah. um, influence in my life, as you know, uh, or anyone listening, like the average years of youth pastors is pretty pretty yeah. short. And not getting longer, too, tragically. No, so it was great to have someone serve four to five years during that time. So, it, But it sounds like you're a guy that has always asked questions. Um, not out loud, but in, definitely inside my head. Okay. Yeah. 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 All right. And so, you know, you get to this level, So you, and it sounds like reading between the lines, I know this is not, you know, share Adam's deepest, darkest secrets, hmm. but... You know, as as the world is listening in for our listening audience, you, you went through obviously a dark season. You know, had to take some time off. Yep. Probably questioned, yep. you know, my fitness for ministry, my call to ministry. What's my future look like? Yeah, that was that was a hard time. I bet uh, it was. We, yeah. uh, it was. Uh, yeah. So I got you know cleared to go back to work That's after right. a couple months, and so I started applying for jobs. Right. You know, I was ready to get back into ministry. Okay. Uh, I think over. A year, I applied to over twenty positions. Oh wow! Okay. And I heard back from one. Yeah. Uh, and this one was in uh, Ontario, actually. Okay. Um, so it was a uh, PAOC church up there, and I had a first interview with them, and uh, I withdrew my name from that after because I just really felt like God was asking us to stay in Newfoundland. Yeah, because you said earlier, so you've had a burden for Newfoundland. Yes, yeah, actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so actually, when I was in ministry, I wanted to be in small towns. Okay. Um, which is why I was happy to take the position in a town of about 500 people. Right. Um, because people will always point your finger at the small towns. Yep. Um, you know, you're stuck in your ways. Uh, you know, you don't think outside the box. You're just, you, you just want to do things because that's the way you always did them. Right, right. And in my head, I was always like, well, instead of pointing the finger... Why don't I actually go there and do something? Yeah, yeah. And try and help bring change from the inside out. Okay. Not that I was the God's savior to the outboard churches. Right, yeah. But I figured I could be part of the solution. But again, God had a different plan. Yeah. Um, he took this bayman and uh, brought him to the town, which I, yeah. I always find funny. I've said it so many well, times. Well, and again, for any of our listening audience that's not from Newfoundland and mm-hmm. Labrador, um, the way it works here in Newfoundland, if you're from the city, you're a townie, mm-hmm. and if you're from outside the city and you're going to travel to St. John's, you're not going to the city, you're going to town. 
Yep. That's what everybody says. So if you're listening and you're not from here, that's why Adam said what he did. So, so Adam, but I mean, here you are on the Rugged Theology podcast. I'm introducing you. You're the guy that oversees this thing. I just said you're a church planter candidate for Mile One Mission. So it begs the question, how does a Pentecostal pastor, you know, happy, content, feels like, man, I'm in, in, in small town Newfoundland, come to work in the city of St. John's at Mile One Mission, now attending a Baptist church. Yep. Um, how did that all happen? I still ask myself. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet. Um, yeah, so ba- that goes back to that dark season. Okay. Um, I question a lot. I mean, again, applying to 20 positions, mm. only hearing back from one, um, and trusting in God that he wants you to stay in this province. Right. I didn't know where to turn. I cried out to God. I questioned, like, am I even supposed to be in ministry? Like, what am I doing here? Uh, so I thought about, you know, going back and do school, going to social work, okay. all kinds of things. Uh, but a mentor that I had, so he, I trained under him for my internship during my, my time in Bible college at uh, First Pentecostal Church in uh, Cornerbrook. Okay. Uh, so Jeremy Nippard. So he had mentioned to me, we were out in St. John's visiting and uh, he had gotten a job at head office. So I, I stopped it to see him and he mentioned to me church planting. So this was May of that year. I'm not even going to try to guess your year right now. <laughs> yeah. uh, May of that year. So I was like, no, I want to be a youth pastor. I want to be the youngest pastor, you know, that whole thing. I don't want to retire. Uh, my desire is for youth. And so that summer, I ended up working with Sabrina, my wife's father, um, at Carpentry. And I am not a carpenter. I learned a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I'm not a carpenter. And for our listening audience, he's proved it to me many times that he's not a carpenter. I know he's not called to that. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's actually not bad, folks. Uh, but... Uh, so in that summer, so come that August, I was like, you know what? I can't keep doing this. Mm. I need to do something. So I was like, I'm going to figure out what my denomination's plan is for church planting. Okay. Right? So I contacted the guy. His name's Dean Brenton. And we sat down, had a chat. Um, and he told me, like, yeah, he's like, you know, we, we were doing this city reach thing, which is, you know, their assessment is six months. Uh, but we're thinking about switching to another group. So... We're going to hold off a bit, like, if you're interested. Like, we don't want you to start this city reach team. We switch to a whole other group for right. our assessment process. I was like, okay, that's fair. Uh, and then he told me about this thing called Incubator, which yeah. is through C to C. That's right. And uh, he was like, it's too bad you're not in, you know, the city. So, you know, because then you could take part in this. I was like, well, I know my boss pretty well. And he looked at me. I was like, it's my father-in-law, right? <laughs> I think he can give me the day off to drive in. Right. So he's like... Sure, I can get you in. So I was like, okay, that's great. So I would take the day off work, drive in the four and a half hours mm-hmm. and take in the session and then probably stay the night and then go back again the next and day. And that's how we met. It is, yeah. yeah. So you were involved in that. So I got to meet you and Matt Leahy, David Drover, Steve Da. Yeah. And uh, so anyways, through that process, um, through Jigs and Reels, come to, come to see that. my With, again, our listening audience, if you're not from <laughs> Newfoundland. That means through the ups and downs of life, the jigs and reels. That's a very Newfoundland unique expression. That's funny because I hadn't even thought about that. <laughs> that just came out. Uh, but uh, yeah, my domination just wasn't in a place to church plant. Okay. Um, Dean Dean just resigned from his position, moved on to other uh, greener greener pastures. Right. Per se. Yeah. I just felt he was done with that position, and uh, so I, I tried to figure. Out well, if I'm called to this, because through this incubator course, I started to get more of a burden for church planting. Right. And even more of a burden for the city. Uh, I mean, we moved out here in the process of that course. You know, I was doing this course, 
my wife uh, was thinking about, you know, maybe God was asking her to go back to school for maybe counseling, yep. which we're still working out. Uh, so we said, and she was only working. So I said, you apply for the job. And if you get it, we'll move. You're the breadwinner. Right. Yeah. And, well, I mean, as a nurse, she right. would be yeah. breadwinner anyways. Right. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so she applied for a job in a week and a half. She got a job, uh, a house fell through another one lined up right away. So God was just opening doors for us to move to the city. Okay. Uh, so we moved in here and I couldn't find work. Right. So I was on EI for a bit and, uh, Anyways, like I said, I couldn't uh, church plant. There was no plans immediately to have church plants established for my denomination. Okay. Um, so I knew a guy that worked with you uh, a bit. Uh, he was a former uh, PAONL pastor, yeah, Ross right. Bartlett. Yep. And uh, so we sat down and we talked about, you know, would I be a good fit for Mall One Mission? And uh, he, I think he convinced you to take that chance on this Pentecostal uh, boy. I do remember that first uh, coffee we had at Starbucks, I believe, mm -hmm. on Kem Mount Road. And yep. It was a very interesting conversation because, again, I, while we have a dear affinity and respect for our Pentecostal brothers and sisters, obviously, uh, as a Baptist, there are some distinctives and preferences that are uniquely Baptist and mm -hmm. not Pentecostal. So as you've come to this, you know, and came on to mile one, have there been any rough patches? Like how has this transition, a boy born and bred and raised in a Pentecostal movement has experienced some ups and downs, feels a burden and a call to church plant, sees doors that seem to be opening, but other doors that are shutting. Mm -hmm. So now this guy says, Oh, come jump over to this ship over here with a word you'd probably barely heard before Baptist I, I was all I was all ready to go at that point. I was like, <laughs> okay, whatever I can do. Like I was like, I'm not gonna stop. Okay. And it had been, you know, almost two years since I was in ministry. So right. at this point, I was like, you know what? I, if this is open door, I'll take it for now, and okay. we'll see what happens. And you know, I figured if even if I intern for a bit and it doesn't, it's not a good match. I'll still give these guys a really good year. Yeah. Um, but uh, it turned into more than a year. It did. Um, so I started off as an intern, and I can remember. Uh, just really, this was the first time I had actually been around people who were uh, Calvinists. Right, yeah. Uh, who were of that theological uh, camp. And that was really hard at first. Yeah. Um, so I, I remember I met with Ross at one point. I was like, Ross, tell me I don't have to be a Calvinist to plant the church. And he was like, no, you don't have to be a Calvinist, but you, know, you do need to <laughs> sign on to these uh, certain statements. Um, so I was okay. Now, lo and behold, now I'm much more of a Calvinist than... I've, I've yeah, and again, before. for our listening audience, these are catchphrases. These are theological expressions. Yeah. Basically, you know, we just take a high view of the role of God in saving mm -hmm. people. And, and again, but it's interesting because as people are listening in, this is the tension we have, right? Um, there are good, godly people in various different denominations, um, but we do have some theological... Um, idiosyncrasy, so to speak, right? And Yeah, so a big struggle for me was uh, not even just the Calvinism stuff because, you know, lo and behold, I have a much higher view of God's sovereignty than right. I thought I did. Right, exactly. And it's not that you, you know, persuaded me yeah, to be yeah. Calvinist because yeah. I, I went to you very very early on. I can remember yeah. asking you, Steve, can I take an afternoon, a week, and yeah. just study, just read your theology books? And you're yeah. like, sure, like, that's great. Well, uh, not only, well... We encourage that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We want people to know what they believe and why they believe it, and we also think it's important that, uh, well, you've heard me say, Adam, many times, right? Truth is never afraid of a question. No, and that's one thing I, I've appreciated here, because you've always been very upfront with me saying, like, 
know, your goal is not really to convince me of anything, but to it know isn't. where I stand, yeah. to know the, the you know ups and downs of that and to be able to defend it. Well, yeah, and not only that, but I, I think the bigger test is not only what you stand, where you stand or what you stand on, mm-hmm. but how you stand. You know, my, my desire for you and all the young men that I get to join the privilege of being a friend to and a bit of a mentor with is is that I want you to reflect Christ. So, you know, whatever belief system you have, I mean, obviously, when I say that, I mean in tune with the clear teachings of the Word of God, is to see you have a disposition, an attitude of humility and kindness and gentleness. Um, and again, I believe that, you know, one of the fruits of the Spirit is long-suffering and patience and all the gentleness. And the one who examples that better than anybody is Jesus Christ. And if, if you know, when I first met you and the journey you were on, my desire was to see you just patiently allowed to feel safe, to question, to learn, to dig into God's word and know what you believe and why you believe it and what is essential, what is a distinctive, what is a preference, mm-hmm. what's worth fighting over, what's not worth fighting, and even how one disagrees is important, is as important to us and I believe to God as just standing for truth. So and it was it was a real struggle. Um, one of the things I struggled most with was the whole uh, complementarian yeah, uh, yeah. part. And Sabrina will tell you if, if we can never get her in now, she'll be open. Oh, absolutely. To, to get down here, but just scheduling. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. That's yeah. what I mean by if we can yeah. get her in here. Um, there were evenings I went home and after reading and digging the scripture, and I would almost be in in tears. I think there were some nights I actually cried. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because I was struggling with what I was reading and what I was experiencing in Calvary, and it all just seemed so real, and it it, it was proving to be true. Right. Uh, you know that that aspect that you know men lead, and it's not just that women. You know, are, women aren't second class. Women no, that's right. are yeah. not second to men, but they are created to be a helper. Right. And I've told my wife since being here, like, you know, you are probably the best helper I had. She she backs me up. Yeah. And it's not that I don't converse with her or ask her questions about, you know, decisions we make in our family, but she is the best supporter I have. And yeah. she fulfills God's she gives God glory in doing that. Yeah, and again, for our listening audience that mm-hmm. might be listening in with these terms. So Mile One Mission at Calvary Baptist Church, we the the fifty dollar word is we're complementarian which means we believe that God has created men and women equal and in his image. And just like the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, we believe that men and women complement each other and how we display the Godhead. And so as a a function of that, as we study Scripture, we believe that God has called um, men to be elders. And it's not that because we don't think women aren't, aren't uh, equal or mm-hmm. equal value because um, we don't believe men that God even calls all men. We only no. you know, Right. And yet we also, and I think this has been a big discovery for you and Sabrina and others that come to our church and, and are part of my one is actually the love, respect and honor. We want, like we crave the activity, the active involvement of women in our ministry. Absolutely. And every one of our church plant is, is the desires to have at least a female intern, on staff of every single church plant. We want to reach out to the women of our city, and we, we really believe that. But we're trying to, example, what it looks like to truly reflect the Godhead yeah. in a way. And so in a world that we live in now, which is interesting, we talk about equality, 
And yet often equality almost means cloning. It's this kind of a weird thing that I find is a bit contradictory in our culture. Well, one thing that's and I'm I'm sure she'll say this if, if, and when we get around the podcast, um, is that she has never felt more respected as a woman right at Calvary Baptist. Yeah. Um, other parts is you're almost treated as a man or, you know, you're, right. you're, you're joked as one of the guys around, but that respect as a woman distinctly yeah. is not usually there. Um, yeah. And that's very important because I do want our listening audience to understand that when we say complementarian, we want to be very open and honest to say that um, there's been a lot of bad examples mm-hmm. of, of male dominance and um, what I would call what is often confused for true biblical complementarianism is cultural patriarchalism. And Calvary Baptist and Malwa Mission is categorically opposed to cultural patriarchy. Absolutely. We want to lovingly and patiently and humbly defend biblical complementarianism. So that was probably my biggest struggle, and it was fall of this past year yeah, that's that right. I, I told you, uh, no, no I'm, I'm a complementarian now. Like yeah. We had seen it uh, work. Uh, we had seen it bless our own marriage. Mm. Um, Sabrina came to me once and said that, you know, and this blessed my heart. She said, uh, I always thought I wanted to lead until you started to lead more. Yeah. And then I enjoyed it. Like I knew I could trust you, that I could follow your leading, your guiding. And it's been a real blessing to our marriage, honestly. Well, one of the other things too, just to, I know we're a little bit on a rabbit trail here of your story, but you've often referred to Sabrina as this helper, this help me. Mm. And I, I just for our listening audience, if you if you want to see this, it's interesting that in the new in the old testament, when God says, I'm gonna make a helper fit for Adam, that word helper is the same word that in the New Testament, when Jesus tells his disciples that he's going to leave and he's going to send the helper, mm-hmm. being the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit, it's the same word. Yeah. So, so here is Jesus Christ saying that the equivalent of why he created Eve is on level with the third person of the Trinity. That's hardly demeaning. No, and I mean, if you think about the power, the empowering Absolutely. of the Holy Spirit, especially even coming from the Pentecostal background. Right, exactly. <laughs> like the that uh, second filling, that second experience right, of yeah. the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that's meant to empower you for witness right. from a Pentecostal theological perspective. Right. Um, but uh, So let me ask you this. I know we're running out of time here, so the rest of your story. So you've had these, this has been quite a journey for you. And, and I, I got to be honest, we've been blessed to have you and your family with us. Thank I, you. I mean, guys, I'm super excited that, that, that God has called Adam and Sabrina with us and, and Lord willing, see him church plant very soon. Mm. But here you are now. You're part of Calvary Baptist. You're part of Mile One. Um, but has there been some parts of you and your upbringing? I asked this to Steve Da, you know, uh, at our last episode. D- d- you know, you just don't shed your Anglicanism. He was raised Anglican. Mm-hmm. So here you are in a Baptist church. Yep. Um, I mean, have you just stopped being Pentecostal? Like, how does that go? (laughs) Is it it like a coat you put on and off? Like, have you brought any of your upbringing into your ministry at Mile One Mission and at Calvary Baptist? I think in a sense, um, I'm probably more reserved than most charismatics you would think of. Okay, Uh, true enough. I'm I'm a quiet person in character. Right. Um, But But uh, your wife is pretty outgoing. She is. Yeah. She is. And uh, no, like it's, we found that, a different experience in the worship atmosphere for sure at Calvary right. Baptist. And when you talk about that, you were talking more like the the music and the atmosphere of our service. Yeah, e- even even the liturgy. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, so it was just a different experience in that sense. Um, but you no, know, we I still keep the same uh, we'll say theology in regards to how the Spirit can work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I realized that you know 
God is not going to work in the same way, you know, if you have a church full of people who, because I know we have some people who are probably um, somewhat cessationist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Meaning, so that just means that you believe that the Spirit uh, is not working the same way as it did in the book of Acts. Right. Um, some who believe that, you know, a little more charismatic who believe that the gifts can still be active. So the Lord's not going to completely, you know, go against someone's conscience and what is right. the theology. So I don't expect someone to just, you know, break out in a message in tongues interpretation mm-hmm. in, in Calvary Baptist. I don't expect right. there just to be a huge, you know, the Lord has told me this message or to go over and pray with someone. Right. I expect God to work among the people with how he's wired them, for how he's speaking to them, how he's yeah. working within their lives. But you have definitely felt free to express yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean... Um, and I would say influence us a little bit. I, I mean, you're one of the... For a quiet, reserved guy, you're one of the most expressive guys that during the music... Now, now folks, he can't sing. Save his life. <laughs> we don't want to hear that. <laughs> but very, very open and honest and, and transparent and expressing yourself during the music. and Yeah, I don't mind, like, raising my hands yeah, or, yeah. Uh, you know, closing my eyes. And, like, I... It doesn't. It doesn't bother me. Like I, at first, it was a. I felt a little intimidated, but I was all in my own head. Right. But as I got more comfortable, like yeah, I, I'll express myself during worship if I don't mind raising my hand. I could mm. be the only one in the whole church raising yeah, my yeah. hand. It doesn't. It, it's fine. Well, there's a couple of things here as we clue up because I know our time's almost done. I, I would I, just again for our listening audience, our church in Mile One Mission in Calvary Baptist. I, I mean, a couple of future episodes probably is what for us means to be a Baptist. Because I think that people out there probably watch the news or watch mm. television and think, well, this must be what a Baptist is. And it might be a shock to, to know how we would flesh that out. And then secondly, it's just how diverse our church is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, our church has a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds. And uh, we do allow a lot of liberty for the way we express ourselves or we hold tightly or loosely to which Which, certain, which I love because, yeah. again, like I, I mentioned computer a few different views, but it goes to show, lo and behold, that you can worship together, yeah. even if you don't agree on every single yeah. aspect of we've tried of to theology. express that in the unity around the gospel and around the Word of God. So I really do appreciate another episode I'd love to do with you, Adam, is in as you and I maybe de- delve into that dark period, um, mm-hmm. as we talk about Christians and depression, Christians and anxiety, uh, discouragement. I think that'd be helpful for our listening audience, especially as we talk in terms of a place like Newfoundland and Labrador that's isolated, where there's not a lot of evangelical Christianity. Um, I think that would be helpful. And so we pray and ask our audience to uh, pray about this with us, encourage us. Again, if you have any questions for Adam uh, or myself, feel free to reach out to us at Mile One Mission. Uh, feel free to share this podcast. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. Thank you, Adam. For sharing thank your thank story you, Steve, for helping me tell my story. I really want to get Sabrina in here. Um, she is uh, like a tornado in a teapot. I love her to pieces. Um, I'd love you to hear her story as well, and it's just been a blessing. So, hey, everybody, take care. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. Stay tuned as we continue to put out these uh, different podcasts, and uh, we do covet your prayers as we continue on this journey together. You have been listening to Rugged Theology. Rugged Theology is a podcast of Mile One Mission. If you'd like to know more about Mile One Mission and our work in Newfoundland, please visit us at www.mileonemission.ca.